You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. It's that time of year again. The new year is a natural stopping point to reflect on the year that just passed and make plans for the future. A lot of people get really into setting goals and looking into the future with hope at this time of year, but it's also perfectly normal to feel a bit jaded and skeptical about how much good this goal setting actually does. In fact, content about goal setting is so ubiquitous, so everywhere at this time of year that I personally hesitated to put more of it out there. But when I asked my Facebook group members back in September what they wanted me to cover for my last episode of the year, this was the overwhelming favorite. It's a cliche that we're more likely to abandon New Year's goals than to accomplish them. Some people even claim that approximately 80% of New Year's goals are abandoned by February 1st. So clearly, there is a problem with how most of us are approaching our goals. But is this a problem with the way we set our goals or the way we implement them? Well, it's probably both. In this episode, I'm going to share five common mistakes that might be holding you back from actually achieving the goals that you set. Then as a bonus, I'll also share three tips for implementation to improve your chances of actually following through. Let's start by getting on the same page by what we mean by goal. Personally, I mean the things that I'm absolutely committed to accomplishing. I also have dreams and wishes and visions, but these are different from goals in my eyes. Dreams, wishes, and visions are things that you want, but you haven't developed an internal commitment to accomplishing them. If you judge yourself and your ability to follow through based on your wishes and your dreams, you might not actually have an accurate perception about your ability to make your goals happen because dreams tend to be really vague and too far away to develop a clear roadmap. That's why goals are so helpful and what makes them different from dreams, wishes, and visions. Dreams change over time and that's totally fine. They help to point you in the right direction, but goals are the part of your dream that you can put into concrete reality. Okay. With that out of the way, let's dive into five goal setting mistakes that might be blocking you from following through on your best intentions. Mistake number one, goals that are too big. Mistake number two, goals that are too vague. Mistake number three, goals that are too far away. Number four, ignoring your data or your past history or not taking it into account when you set your goals. And finally, mistake number five, not deliberately aligning your goals with your values. By the way, last year I did a whole episode on how to align your goals with your values. So if that concept is new to you, I'll add a link to that in the show notes in case you want to check it out. Before we jump into these five mistakes in more detail, let's review a basic framework for how to create these goals in the first place. You may have heard of the SMART goal framework, It's an incredibly brilliant framework developed in the 1970s. And what I'm going to teach you in this episode today builds on the SMART framework. So we need to learn about it as a foundation. 
here's a quick overview or refresher of what the acronym SMART stands for. S stands for specific, M is for measurable, A is for achievable, R for relevant, and T stands for time-bound or time-frame. There's a ton of content out there about SMART goals, so my focus here today in this episode is going to be on the places where people usually struggle with implementing the framework rather than a detailed introduction. If you want more of an introduction, you can check out episode 10 called Overcome Overwhelm and Get Focused. You may already be using the SMART goal framework when you set goals, and you may notice that it's not necessarily working perfectly for you. Just because you know a framework doesn't automatically mean you can implement it. Very often, we can see a framework more clearly when it comes to somebody else's goal or somebody else's life, but our own goals are too near to our hearts and it blurs our perception. So let's dive a little more deeply into these five mistakes now that I listed earlier and how they relate to the SMART goal framework. While everyone's different, A common pattern of what I see when I work with yoga teachers inside the impact club, specifically where we do quarterly goal setting, they really tend to struggle with the first part of the framework, specific and measurable. They tend to feel pretty confused about whether or not a goal is achievable, meaning they, in their minds, it feels like it's impossible to know whether it's achievable or not until you've done it. And to some degree, that's true. And we'll get into that more later. They usually do a pretty good job of making the goal relevant, and just by adding a due date, you make it timely or time-bound, so that part is pretty self-explanatory. Here's an example of the type of goal I see a lot. I want to grow my class attendance by November 1st. From the outside, you can probably see the holes already, but it's much harder to see when it's your goals. First of all, how much do you want to grow your classes? You need to be more specific. Do you want to add five students? And are you adding five students to a class of three or a class of 20? This is important. We'll get into that more later. So to me, specific and measurable really go together. And the way you know that you've set a goal that is both specific and measurable is that there's absolutely no doubt in your mind whether or not you've achieved it. In fact, not only do you know whether or not you've achieved it, you also know how close you got and how far past your goal you got. Of course, not all of our goals lend lend themselves to numeric measuring like that, but if you can frame your results as a percentage, I find that to be really useful. So for example, if your goal was to get five new students in your membership by November 1st, but you ended up getting 10, well, then you've exceeded your goal by 100%. But what about achievable? How do we know when we've hit that sweet spot of a goal that pushes you a little, but doesn't overwhelm you or cause you to lose hope and give up? This is where data and history comes in, because without them, it's hard to know what's achievable and what's not. In the absence of data, we tend to go with wishes instead, and there's nothing wrong with wishing, but when you wish, you might as well wish big. Why not, right? So many of us have the tendencies to set our goals too big, and then we shoot ourselves in the foot over the long term. Because if we set goals that are too big, then we constantly feel like a failure, and that's not very inspiring. So there are two ways to approach this, and I recommend combining the two when possible. First, when you're just starting out, set goals that are 100% within your control. 
For example, instead of I will gain five members, say I will invite 20 people personally to come to class this month. It's very different to evaluate a goal that was 100% in your control versus one that wasn't. If you set a goal that's completely within your control and then you do not follow through, that's still useful information. Did you set too big a goal? Did you procrastinate? Did you stop caring? Whatever you learn about your own behavior here, you can use to either set better goals in the future, work on your implementation, or both. On the other hand, if you set and don't achieve a goal that isn't fully in your control, then it's really easy to just blame outside circumstances, and it's a lot harder to use it as an opportunity to learn and to grow. The second solution to not having data to help you set your achievable goals is to set really small goals much more frequently and start setting goals that are larger and further apart once you have that data to guide you. This way you can collect and celebrate a bunch of small wins and course correct much more quickly when you don't achieve your smaller goals either. I'll talk more about course corrections later in this episode. So to recap, in order to overcome mistake number one, which is setting goals that are too big, make sure you set goals based on past data. And if you don't have any to draw from, then set goals that are entirely within your control and set smaller goals more frequently. Mistake number two is setting goals that are too vague. And this has a fix that is quite simple to describe, although often not so easy to implement. And that is to just ask yourself, When my deadline arrives, will I know with absolute certainty whether or not I've achieved my goal? Will I know whether I've exceeded it? And will I know how close I have come to achieving it? And if not, how can I get more specific? How can I bring enough clarity to this goal that there will be no doubt at the time that I've given myself, the deadline I've given myself, whether I've achieved it or not? And for each version of the goal that you create, you check in and you ask that question as many times as you need to until you feel really confident that you know exactly what you're promising to do with this goal. Mistake number three is setting goals that are too far away. The SMART framework mentions that you need a deadline, but it doesn't say anything about when that deadline should be. And truthfully, My experience is that the sooner the better and no more than three months away. It's just really hard to plan out and to predict our own behavior and our own actions more than three months ahead with any accuracy. In fact, there've been a whole bunch of studies, psychological studies that show that when we predict like a year in the future or too far ahead in the future, we imagine ourselves as being completely different and much more virtuous, much more hardworking, much more capable than we are now. So in general, we're just really bad at predicting the future and the farther ahead in the future, the worse we are at predicting outcomes. Now, I do sketch things out in my calendar further in advance than that because sometimes it's necessary and often it's useful, but I think of those as being just blocking times off and I always edit them later. So unless I have committed to another person, I think of anything more than 90 days away as more of an idea and a placeholder than as a commitment. 
On the other hand, what I've decided to do within the next 90 days is a commitment. However, it is also a commitment that can be renegotiated if I realize that I need to renegotiate with myself. So my general guidelines for goal setting is set goals no more than 90 days in the future. And the more you've been struggling with implementing what's needed to achieve your goals, the closer to now you should set your goals. For example, those who've been struggling the most, feel free to set goals that are just one week away and do goal setting every week, one week away, because that's going to make you feel a lot more empowered. You are pretty clear. Generally, you know what you can accomplish in a week, or at least you can predict it a lot better than three months or a year. Mistake number four is ignoring data when you set your goals. I did already touch on this a bit when I talked about setting goals that are too big and too far away, but it's so important that it needs its own category. Since humans are generally pretty crap at predicting the future, even our own future behavior, data is our best tool to overcome this shortcoming. So instead of engaging in magical thinking about who you're going to be in the future, set goals that you can accomplish exactly as you are now. There's a lot of cheerleading and talk in the coaching industry about becoming the next level version of yourself. But what isn't talked about as much is the power of consistency. The not so sexy truth is that putting in the reps is how you build your future. Transformation that arrives in a flash can also disappear in a flash. It's not reliable. But the work you do over a long period of time, your actions over a long period of time is what you become. I also hear a lot of coaches preaching about how important it is to believe in yourself, how magic almost it is to believe in yourself. And I definitely think that self-confidence and a sense of possibility is important, but I don't hardly ever hear of concrete strategies to make that happen beyond using affirmations. I hear about affirmations, which are lovely, but quite frankly, they aren't a magic bullet. Your brain is constantly observing and evaluating behind the scenes. Affirmations is something that you do with your conscious mind, but your unconscious mind, your subconscious mind is much more powerful. So if your actions and your behavior don't line up with the stories you tell yourself when you use affirmations, they're not actually going to create that lasting deep change. However, when you consistently achieve what you set out to do over and over, you will learn to trust yourself more and more. That trust will build and snowball and the transformation will happen, but it won't be magic. You will have earned it. The final mistake of the five is not aligning your goals with your values. This is the only mistake that doesn't directly connect to the SMART framework. And in my opinion, it's the main thing missing from it. The SMART framework was really designed for employees working for somebody else's vision. So I can kind of see why they didn't include it. But as yoga teachers, we're usually self-employed and we have fewer external pressures and external modes of feedback to keep us taking action. When you set goals that aren't aligned with your values, you're much less likely to follow through. Humans, I've already mentioned, are bad at predicting our own future behavior. And specifically, we tend to imagine ourselves as much more driven, focused, and generous than our present selves. So 
setting goals that sound good, but don't actually stir us in a deep way can cause us to lose steam before we're done. Now, this becomes more and more important the more ambitious and long-term your goals are. So you can get away with a goal that's not directly aligned with your values, but does move you towards your vision when you're making a smaller ask of yourself. As your goals get bigger and more ambitious, it's essential to make an explicit connection between the two and find ways to reconnect and remind yourself of this connection when times get tough, when things don't go as you planned. As I mentioned earlier, I have an entire episode about how to tie your goals with your values. So if you want more details, definitely check that out. And if you want personalized help and community support, we do goal setting four times a year inside the Impact Club, which is my membership for yoga teachers. You can go to helloyogateacher.com slash impact to see if registration for membership is currently open. So this approach to goal setting is all about recognizing our own fallibility, understanding what drives and motivates humans, and staying more grounded and connected to the present moment and the actions that we need to be taking in the here and now. Using the SMART goal framework, plus the piece about values and the information I've provided in this episode, you're now pretty set up to set goals you can actually achieve. But that still doesn't guarantee that you'll be able to follow through. So let's switch gears to look at the implementation phase of the equation. My first tip is to set up different layers of accountability. And the first layer of accountability actually happens within the goal setting process when you align your goals with your values. If you set a well-formed goal that's achievable, aligned with your values and relevant to your bigger vision, but then you don't follow through, there are two likely issues. Either you're not honest with yourself about what your true values are, or maybe you struggle with executive function. Executive function is the part of your brain that predicts the future, plans ahead, and works backwards into a step-by-step roadmap to get from point A to point B. Executive functioning challenges are extremely common among people who would self-describe as creative. They're also becoming more and more prevalent with the amount of time that we spend distracted by video games and social media. A lot of podcast listeners are surprised when I tell them that I personally struggle with executive function. I think because just the fact that I'm able to produce this podcast every single week and have for three and a half years, it doesn't seem like I would have executive functioning challenges. But the truth is that I have just learned tools and strategies to help me mitigate those challenges. Now, I believe that implementing Goal setting as a practice, doing goal setting regularly is a great way to strengthen executive function. And it's one of the things that has helped me. And I'll also share some other tools that I use that help. One of my biggest hacks for massively boosting executive function is using a project management app. I use one called Asana, which is a little bit of a mind twister when you're a yoga teacher because the poses we teach are called asana. And this app is called Asana, (laughs) and it can really make you start to doubt yourself when you're teaching classes. But anyway, the app is awesome, no matter how it's pronounced. Describing the features of Asana is way more than I can get into in this episode, but I will say that it's multi-layered, meaning you can have projects and then sections within those projects and then tasks within those sections and subtasks. 
So it's a really robust tool that can be used scaled up or down and for complex goals as well as simple goals. Asana is by no means the only project management app out there. Some others I've heard of are Trello and Monday, and I'm sure that there are a whole bunch more. And the main thing with a project management app is that you have to use it consistently. Really, you have to log in and look at your tasks every single day. If you don't get into the habit of looking at it and using it regularly, it's really not going to be that helpful. Now, a project management tool does help with accountability. It can be another layer of accountability because first of all, you're going to write down exactly every step that's going to take you from now to your goal. And every step will have a due date within your project management app. And I'll pause here and say, if you really dislike technology and the idea of taking on a project management app just feels overwhelming and and not helpful to you still take this piece of adding a due date and maybe even a due time to every single task. The idea here is not to get hung up on whether or not you actually accomplish each task when you planned it, but it's just to get it on your schedule because then every time that time comes around, then your job is either do it or give it a new time. So nothing falls off your radar. Even that act of reconfiguring your schedule is going to strengthen executive function because it's improving your ability to predict how long something's going to take you. Okay. So back to this umbrella topic of accountability, you increase personal accountability by making sure that you're setting goals about things you truly care about. Then you have tech accountability where you're using a calendar or a project management tool to keep your plan and what you need to be doing each day top of mind. And finally, I recommend that you recruit some human accountability partners because other people can often spot things we're blind to ourselves. These can be peers like the accountability partnerships we have inside the impact club. It could be a mentor or a teacher you meet with regularly, or even an employee who helps hold you accountable and may take some of the tasks on to help you meet your goal. Some people are fine using just one or two forms of accountability, but if you struggled with implementing your goals in the past, I recommend trying to find some way to use all three. The next implementation tip is reassessment and reconfiguration. And this is such an underappreciated strategy. I feel like it could really be a game changer if you've been struggling to follow through on accomplishing your goals. The basic idea here is that it's pretty rare that you just set a goal once and then follow through on your plan exactly. If you've been beating yourself up for not being really on top of your goals as you first imagine them, know that you are not alone and it it's not something to beat yourself up about. It's not something to even worry about. It's totally normal. So instead of assuming that you will follow your plan exactly as you set it up in the beginning, build in times to deliberately check on your own progress and adapt your plan as you go. Depending on your time frame and the size or complexity of your goal, You'll want to check in multiple times and assess how far you've come and reassess perhaps the outcomes you're expecting or perhaps the time frame. One way of thinking about this is that you engage in goal setting behavior more frequently. In fact, I recommend and practice personally a weekly goal check-in. 
During this time, you check in with your bigger goals, how they're coming, and you also decide your smaller goals for the week. Simple is good here. So it's not necessarily the time to plan every single task for the week, though you could do that maybe afterwards. Instead, get clear on your priorities. One to three areas of focus that will help you decide what to do first. It's also fantastic to use this time to celebrate what you accomplished the week before. Sometimes that's challenging. A lot of times when I sit down for my weekly check-in, I kind of go blank when I think about what I accomplished the week before. But I think this process is helpful. Even on those weeks, I can't come up with something because it's helping me pay more attention to my small wins along the way. My third and final implementation tip is to pare back on some of the other obligations in your life by getting clear on what is truly important and setting boundaries when necessary. Earlier, I described a goal as actions that you're committed to taking in service of your bigger vision. However, for some people, the biggest challenges holding us back are not necessarily ourselves, but instead the unspoken assumptions and other people's priorities. I'm going to be brutally honest here. Most of the people who achieve their goals do so because they're willing to be self-centered at times. They're willing to put their own desires, their own vision first. And this comes back to the work you do around your values. When you're clear about what's truly important to you, it's a lot easier to say no to the things that distract from it. This could include letting go of a class that isn't serving you, isn't filling you up. It can include teaching your kids to do their own laundry, stepping down from a committee, or even ordering groceries to be delivered instead of making the trek to the grocery store. It is super helpful and revealing to track how you actually spend your time for a week and notice how much of your time you spend focused on things you value and how much is really accommodating others and meeting the needs of others. Also, notice how much time you spend in transition from one activity to another. Because yoga teachers usually teach one class at a time, we often have these super chaotic schedules that hamper our ability to focus. I've seen a lot of yoga teachers, primarily women and most especially mothers, create these incredibly complex schedules that have them swinging from one task to another all day long, so they're pretty much in a constant state of transition. When you track your time, you can notice what you're doing that you could maybe let go of or get somebody else to do or batch like tasks with like. And once you've identified some possibilities for letting things go, it might feel freeing and exciting. And if that's the case, that's great. And you can focus on building momentum where it matters. And let's be real here. Letting go usually isn't easy. So this is where your practice will really come in. Notice what comes up when you think about letting go of something or even letting go of control over something. A lot of times it comes to fear and fear that's playing in the background is a lot more powerful than fear that you face with curiosity. So after getting clear on what feelings are coming up around letting go of things, if there are feelings coming up, you can make some big shifts by checking again in with your values. Remember your values are the things that you care about most deeply in the world. So when you find that you're really resisting letting go of something that you know would serve you, 
in accomplishing these goals that you have set in alignment with your values, then you need to ask yourself, what is going on here? Why am I having such a hard time letting go? It could be that you have another value that you haven't explored that's really overriding this this goal. And that's okay. This is your individual work to do. But ultimately, this is why I'm inviting you to set goals that are very closely connected with your values, because when you get that formula right, then it will give you the courage and the motivation to do hard things and to make hard changes in service of your goals, which if you have followed this process I've laid out are ultimately in service of your values. Okay, so that was a whole lot of information about how to set goals that you can actually accomplish and how to set yourself up to follow through with them. To recap, we had the five mistakes. One, setting goals that are too big. Two, setting goals that are too vague. Three, goals that are too far away. Four, ignoring data or past history. And five, not deliberately aligning your goals with your values. Then the three tips for implementation, accountability, reassessment, and making space. I hope that this episode helped you to understand why you may have struggled with accomplishing goals in the past and also leaves you feeling like you are actually capable of setting and achieving meaningful goals. Before signing off for today, I want to mention that challenges with following through on goals is often associated with neurological differences known as ADHD. I've been doing a lot of learning and studying recently about ADHD and how it shows up differently in women than in men. We often associate ADHD with these hyperactive tendencies and the inability to sit still, also with focus, which is a part of it, but we don't understand so much about the executive function piece, which is that ability to lay out a plan from point A to point B mentally, which I talked about earlier. So that's a big piece, this executive functioning piece. And whether you or anyone you know actually has a diagnosable version of ADHD or just struggle a bit more with focus and executive function the same strategies and techniques apply. So everything I talked about today will apply. Now through this study and through my work with yoga teachers, I've started to wonder if there might be a higher prevalence of ADHD tendencies among yoga teachers. I think personally that we might be attracted to yoga because the practices can help mitigate the challenges of focus and attention while also helping us have that feeling of multitasking that folks with ADHD just really thrive under. So if this is ringing a bell for you, consider an invitation to do some research on adult ADHD to see if the patterns and tendencies match your experience. Whether you end up opting for some kind of treatment or not, simply having this lens through which to see your challenges and talents can be really helpful. I know it has been for me. So that wraps up this episode on setting goals you can actually accomplish. This is your weekly reminder to make time for self-care, whatever that looks like for you. Maybe this week it looks like some quiet time for goal setting, which I believe can definitely be a form of self-care because when I follow through on the actions that are in alignment with my values, it helps me feel capable and it brings meaning to my life. As always, thank you so much for listening and thank you for caring enough to teach yoga.